All I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when 
your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are here and those of you that will watch this, uh, whenever you see it, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful to be able to gather together in the name of the Lord and to praise his name. Heavenly Father, we have come here today with great expectation. And Lord, we know that you are good and everything that you do is good. And we put our faith and our trust in you, Lord, and you make good things happen to us. And we bless your name. We welcome your presence here today. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
blood this morning. By his blood, we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. The power of sin is broken. Jesus
whatever you want to say, whatever you want to say, oh, we worship you in this house, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise, Lord, you are the highest, your name is above every other name, anywhere in this universe, anywhere above or under the earth, Jesus is the name. some praise this morning. Is he worthy? He is worthy of the highest praise. He has done great things for us, and we are glad. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Glory to your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you put on flesh and you walked on this earth and you gave yourself a living sacrifice and you paid the debt for our sins. And Lord, we are forever grateful and we give you thanks and praise this morning for who you are. You are the Lord Most High, the Son of God and the Son of Man. And we bless you and praise you and magnify you in this place. Thank you, Lord, for doing great and mighty things in our midst. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us and we listen now. you to redeem the time for the days are evil. To redeem the time you must, you must know what my will is. And when you know my will you will have your fill. When you know my will it'll be a thrill to your soul for my will is good and perfect. And it will help you to overcome. It will help you to win. For I am with you 
and never will leave you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We're so grateful that you're here this morning. We're going to receive communion this morning. So if you haven't already, uh, you can get the elements. They're on the back uh, information table there. And if you want to get them ready, sometimes they stick a little bit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We'll do our confession after communion. Praise the Lord. You know, Jesus made a transaction. And uh, he purchased something. I want to talk to you just briefly about what he purchased from the word of God. Because it relates to communion. Because what it cost him to make this purchase was his blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is with you and who is within you and whom you have received as a gift from God that you are not your own property? You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. I guess that blows out the idea that your body is your own. Right? Especially for a believer. You know, even though God purchased us, he doesn't become a dictator. He gives you the freedom to choose his way or not. His way brings life and blessing, but not choosing it, it voids the blessing in life. Right, But we have been bought with a price, the greatest price that someone could ever pay. Then Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians 3. Christ purchased our freedom. Can you say amen to that? He bought our freedom. And redeemed us from the curse of the law. And it's condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or crucified on a tree or cross. In order that Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. How many want the blessing? We all want the blessing, right? That the blessing of Abraham might come also to the Gentiles so that we would all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Amen. Aren't you glad that he purchased us and he purchased our freedom? He bought the total package. Hallelujah. And he checked out and the bill has been paid. You owe nothing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14. The Spirit is the guarantee or the first installment the pledge or a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Aren't you, his Holy Spirit is just a down payment. There's more to come. What's more to come? We're going to get a glorified body. We're going to have a body just like Jesus had when he rose from the dead. Amen? 
Glory to God. We'll be able to walk through the molecules and the atoms, right? We'll be able to travel by the speed of thought. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. It says this. For you know that you were not redeemed from your useless, spiritual, unproductive ways. That's the Amplified. That's the Amplified. (laughs) Your useless, spiritually unproductive way of life inherited by tradition from your forefathers with perishable things like silver or gold. God didn't use silver or gold to purchase you, but what did he purchase with? He says, but you were actually purchased with the precious blood, like that of a sacrificial lamb, unblemished and spotless, the priceless blood of Jesus. Everybody say priceless. I'm I'm telling you, the precious, priceless blood of Jesus redeemed us and purchased us, and we are his. Hallelujah. Anybody who wants to be his can be his. And then Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, they sang a new song of glorious redemption. They're singing in heaven. Saying, worthy and deserving are you. To take the scroll, to break its seals, for you were slain or sacrificed. With your blood, you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom of royal subjects or kings and priests to our God, and they will reign on earth. Hallelujah. Those who have been purchased by God are going to reign. Glory to God. You became a king through a transaction. You became a priest through a transaction. The transaction that Jesus entered into on the cross once and for all. Amen? And then finally in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come... That is true spiritual worship. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not a part of this material creation. He went once for all into the holy place, the holy of holies of heaven, into the presence of God, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, Having obtained and secured eternal redemption, that is salvation, to all who personally believe in him as Savior. Do you personally believe in him as Savior? Amen. For the sprinkling of uh, the, the defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body. How much more will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit willingly offered himself unblemished or spiritual imperfection as a sacrifice to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances to the observing of God. Amen. He cleanses us from dead works with his purchase. I'm clean. Say, I'm clean. Say, I've been made whole. 
See, this meal that we're about to take, it's not a meal, but it's a representation of what Jesus did on the cross, giving his life, shedding his blood, breaking his body. His body was broken, but not a bone was broken. And why did he do that? A sacrifice had to be made for sin. There was no other way. Jesus did everything legally. He crossed every T. He dotted every I. And now we can enjoy the benefits of redemption. Amen. So as you are about to take of this meal, Jesus shared this with his disciples before he went to the cross. Right? And he shared this with them. And he told them, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Let us take and eat. You're taking in healing. You're taking in deliverance. Hallelujah. You're taking in redemption. And when he had taken the cup, he had given thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new and better covenant, which ratifies the agreement of being, and is being poured out for many as a substitutionary atonement for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink in our forgiveness. Hallelujah. You've been forgiven. You've been made whole. You've been healed. You've been strengthened. You've been lifted up. You've been brought out of the pit. You've been jailbroke. Hallelujah. You've been set free from every limitation and every hindrance. So let's give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for this redemption that you've given to us, Lord. We're so grateful and thankful to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to do our confession this morning. We have a new confession, a new subject this morning. For the next quarter, we're going to speak some words about holy fire. How many know that our God's a God of fire? And uh, his fire won't hurt you, but it'll hurt the devil. (laughs) God's fire will help you, and uh, it'll stoke you up. So let's uh, make this confession together uh, in Jesus' name. Our God is a consuming fire. He upholds his word, and we worship him alone. The fire of God is his glory that is holy and pure. We respect, honor, and reverence his holy fire. God's fire set our hearts ablaze with a love that glows, a faith that ignites, and a devotion that consumes. We hate sin with a fierceness that burns, and we rejoice in God with radiating joy. The fire of God will guide us through darkness and cause us to triumph over our enemies. God comes with fire to comfort, encourage, and empower us and to execute judgment on our foes. There is a fire that has been ignited within. It burns in our hearts and our bones. We are his flames of fire. We will not let his holy flame go out. But we will keep our lamps full of oil to burn bright for him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. 
to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. We will have the uh, scriptures that go with the confession on our Facebook page and our website coming up soon. We have the list. It's just a matter of putting it on there. But then you can uh, study it a little bit more and look into the context of where Pastor Doug took these um, the phrases from. They come straight from the scripture. But at least you get to read around it. Amen? But I wanted to share something um, about the blessings when Mm -hmm. Pastor Doug was just talking we have to realize when we don't accept all of the blessing, then we are accepting some of the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the curse never wants to be less in your life. Mm-hmm. Anything of the enemy does not want to be less. And the, th- the difference with how the enemy operates and how God operates is God operates by our permission, our will. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Even Jesus had to give his will over to the Father. The enemy operates by a foothold. So the Bible tells us, don't give place to the enemy. It didn't say how big of a place, how small of a place. The Bible tells us, don't give place. So we shouldn't even give a part of an inch to the enemy And the enemy just wants a foothold. Isn't that what a thief would do if they came to your door Mm -hmm. and you open the door a little bit, you're peeking out, say, hello, how may I help you? And if it's someone you didn't want in your house, but they insisted on getting in your house, they just need to stick their foot in the door before you can close it. And boom, they open it up and come in and do what they want to do. They don't just come in to have a nice conversation with you. They come in to take stuff, right? So... I want you to think about the blessing. Start, start thinking about what you're thinking. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. as soon as we put a limit on something, we are stopping the blessing at that level. Mm-hmm. And the only thing left to take its place is the curse. It's also the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect, which means something else comes into effect if the word of God isn't in effect. So these things are all interrelated. I just thought about that today. I thought Mm -hmm. if we can't bring ourselves to think or speak the word prosperity without feeling like we're going to rob somebody. (laughs) Do you see the enemy's plan? That's a foothold of the enemy. That if you come from a background that thinks that prosperity is greed or robbing other people so you can get rich, that's the enemy's plan. That's how a curse has to work. Mm -hmm. But if you accept prosperity through the blessing, then you're giving God wide open space to do, you're giving him permission to let the blessing work in your life. And it, and it goes over every area of your life. Your health, your wealth, your relationships, everything. Your opportunity, your favor, everything. So that's my thing for today. Amen. That's very good. 
Hallelujah. Before we just uh, miss the kids, I just want to share something with you. How many know that because we're about inheritance, we like the benefits? And I just want to give you a few benefits of tithing. You know, tithing is a spiritual principle. And it was something that God established back in the garden. And he has uh, operated it in his kingdom. The tithe is 10%. And uh, here are some benefits of tithing. There is a blessing in obeying God's command to tithe. And uh, it protects your future by stopping the devourer. You know who the devourer is? That's a seed eater. You know, if someone can eat your seed, it'll stop your increase. Amen? Tithing demonstrates love and trust in God, and he will protect you. Amen? Tithing prevents covetousness and cures greed. You know, giving is the cure to greed. Tithing puts God first, and he will add your needs to you. Right? You put God's kingdom first, and all these other things will be added to you. And tithing reminds you that God owns everything and that we are simply a steward. And here are some quotes. This is from uh, Robert Murray uh, McShane, who is a Scottish pastor. There are many hearing me now who know, know well that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. They give largely and liberally, not grudging at all, requires a new heart. And what is the chief, this is a Dennis Blake, a businessman. What is the chief end of giving? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen? Hallelujah. And uh, God would never ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself. For God to love the world that he what? He gave. Well, i tell you what, he gave the greatest offering. Amen? So, Father, I, I call every giver blessed of you and highly favored of you, Lord, and I thank you that you will protect them, and you will receive their gifts into your kingdom, and they'll bring great increase to your work all around the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. And I want to let you know that coming up uh, uh, next Sunday will be Sean and Gabriel's last Sunday with us. Uh, We're going to be taking them to uh, Tulsa on July 22nd. Oh, yeah. There we go. And, uh, you know, Gabriel's been here for 18 years. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Michelle's mom, uh, Miss Betty, she used to push Gabriel around in his stroller. You know, while we would get things ready for the service, you know, she'd be pushing Gabriel around. And, um, but, you know, they're going to be uh, learning and training at Rama Bible Training College. And we're so excited to be able to send them. And uh, we're going to pray for them next week. So just to let them know and uh, praise God. Amen. And then, uh, so July 25th, I want you all to come and hear Pastor Nelson. You know, Pastor Nelson and Nadine, they're our youth pastors and uh, leaders in this church. And uh, he's going to bring forth the word. And then August 1st, we're also going to have Sadie Krills as our guest. And, uh, you know, uh, just want you to come because the Holy Ghost is still here. Amen. And he's going to work mightily. And uh, thank God that he, he works through different gifts. Amen. And uh, we're delighted to have those gifts with us. All right. Kids. Are kids ready for some kids life? You ready for some fun? Learning about Jesus? Experiencing the power? Okay, kids. Have a great class. Be dismissed. Woo! Glory to God.
Thank you for our teachers and our helpers. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Get all my stuff ready here. Praise the Lord. There was a uh, a large uh, corporation that recently installed a stray dog as the senior vice president. The announcement in the company bulletin read, his ability to get along uh, with anyone, his prompt response to a pat on the back, his interest in watching others work, and his great knack for looking wise while saying nothing make him a natural candidate for this position. Yeah. Yeah, it was just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. Were you ready for the word this morning? Did you come expecting this morning or maybe you just came not knowing what to expect how many has ever encountered a zone right you know a zone is is a it's an area that has a particular characteristic or purpose or use or it has certain restrictions right Maybe you live in a place that has zoning laws. Or when someone is really clicking, you know, they say they're in the zone. You know, yesterday we saw some people in the horseshoe zone. (laughs) We had a great time playing horseshoes. And uh, so here are some things that you might recognize about a zone. How many have ever heard of the twilight zone? Right? Or the end zone. Right? It's best to get there with the ball. Right? Uh, how about a time zone? You go, you got the eastern time zone, the western time zone, right? Different time zones. How about a comfort zone? You ever been in a comfort zone? Right? How about a drop zone, a designated area where they're going to drop supplies? Right? A drop zone. How about a geographical zone? You know, you got the plains, you got the mountains, you got the... Uh, uh, Everglades or swamps. How about a school zone? Right, be sure to go slow in the school zone. Right. How about the combat zone? You know where fighting is taking place. There's a combat zone, um, and a loading zone. Right, when you can only be there to load and unload. Right, you're not supposed to park there for a long time. Just a, a quick. How about a demilitarized zone? That's in uh, be, dividing between North and South Korea. How about a no parking zone, right? You ever park in a no parking zone and got a ticket? We have. (laughs) Uh, City zoning, you know, where they set the parameters. A strike zone, that's the distance where, like a fish, will hit its prey. It's a strike zone. It's a certain uh, area that they can work in. How about uh, a no-fly zone? You know, our military has enacted before no-fly zones where you can't fly a plane through that particular area. Or how about a safety zone, right? Or 
Have you ever lost cell service in the dead zone? Right? And uh, then there's the battle zone. But this morning, I want to talk to you about a different zone. I want to talk to you about entering into the faith zone. How many want to enter into the faith zone today? Right? The faith zone is where you hear God's word. You believe what he says is absolutely true, and you do what he said. You hear what he said, you believe that what he says is absolutely true, and you do what he said. That's the faith zone, right? The faith zone, we're entering it, you are about to enter the faith zone, You enter the faith zone in every service or every meeting. Every time you read the Bible, every time you hear a Bible-based message, every time you worship and praise the Lord, every time you pray and speak in tongues or anything else the Bible says to do, you enter the faith zone. You know, the Bible is a faith book. It was written by a faith God. And he gave us his faith to operate in. Amen. And there's nothing more that pleases God than faith. As a matter of fact, you can't please God without faith. Faith is a necessary requirement. The faith zone is a place where you connect with God. It's a place where heaven is open to you and you can receive what you believe. How many want to connect with God? How many want heaven open? Right? How many want to receive what you believe? Right? That's all done by faith. That's the faith zone. Okay? The faith zone is Jesus is the center of the faith zone. He is the substance of the faith zone. Our faith has to be in him, right? And on him, and our faith is from him. Amen? So Jesus is the center of the faith zone. The faith zone is to begin a relationship with God. Right? It's and it's continuing relation. How many know it takes faith to begin a relationship with God, but it takes faith to continue a relationship with God. And and the Bible has a lot to say about walking in faith or living by faith, right? It it gives us the parameters. And uh The faith zone is studying, learning, and applying the principles that are in the Word of God. Notice studying. Notice, have you noticed there's a lot of action that we do to get in the faith zone? Right? Why? Because the faith zone describes doers of the Word. Right? And we grow in our relationship with God. You know, God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to stay a baby Christian for 20 years. He wants us to grow and develop. All right? I want you to go to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter 11. And we are going to enter the faith zone today. All right? God has zoned out an area. You know, the Bible tells us that when we're to pray, we're supposed to pray in faith. You know how many people pray in fear? Faith is a place. One time God showed me this. How many have ever been to the Giant Center or an arena like that? 
You know? You know when you get into the building, right? You have to show your ticket. You have to go through security, right? There's an entrance to get in. And you can be in the building, right? If you're in the parking lot, are you in the giant center? No. You haven't entered into the building, right? So faith is like an arena, right? And you enter that arena, and it's in that arena that everything becomes possible. Not outside the arena, right? Inside the arena, you are cooperating and working with the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside, you might be on your own. But we can get in faith by connecting with the Word of God. All right? So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, that is a faith word. Faith begins the minute you hear God's Word. Right? If you want to make a cake, the first thing that you need to do is look if you have the ingredients. Right? And once you know that the ingredients are present, then what you can do, you can make your cake. Right? But if an ingredient is missing, you've got to go get it. Isn't that right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. What is the substance? Faith is the substance. Faith in God proves that something exists. In order to be healed, you don't need to check your body to see if it's healed. You need to believe that you're healed. And the healing will come, right? How many know when the woman with the issue of blood, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but when she touched Jesus and the power of God went into her, she knew that she was healed. Right? She knew that something had taken place in her body. Okay? So faith is the evidence. It is the assurance. It is the title deed. How many own property? If you own a piece of property, you have a deed. That deed says that you are the legal owner. Right? This church owns this property. I don't own it, but this corporation called Victory Christian Fellowship, it owns the building. It owns the land. There's a deed in my office that says that we own this, right? If you own a car, what do you get with a car? You get a title, right? Did you know that a bank can hold, they don't hold your car, they hold the title to the car. They hold the proof that it exists. It's identified with a VIN number. That proves that that car is in existence. They don't have to hold the car to give you a loan. They hold the title. Because the title is proof that that car exists. Amen? So... Faith, now faith is the assurance, it's the, it's the substance, it's the title deed of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed. How many know that every word of God is divinely guaranteed? There is a divine guarantee from God that this is so. Irregardless of what it looks like, irregardless of how you feel, irregardless of your opinion or anybody else's opinion, what God says is so. What God says is the reality. 
It's the title deed. It's the confirmation. It's the substance. Right? And it is the evidence of things what? Not seen. Not seen with your physical eye, but seen with your spiritual eye. Your body might be in pain. But you can say, instead of acknowledging the pain, because the pain is there, because something is not right in your body, you don't have to necessarily acknowledge the pain, but you can say, I'm, by his stripes, I'm healed. Are you lying? No, you're just saying something different. Right? Your body is saying one thing, but you're saying what God says. You've entered into the faith zone. All right? This is a good teaching. Why? Because we need to live by faith. And in order to live by faith, we've got to have an understanding of what it is. And then he goes on to say in verse 2. So faith comprehends, a, let me just say what the Amplified says. Faith comprehends a fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. When Jesus rose from the dead, right, there were people who saw that he rose from the dead, weren't there? Who was the first one? The woman. The women were at the tomb. Thank God for the women, right? I didn't get a big amen on that. Thank God for the women. Hallelujah. And they went and told the disciples that Jesus was risen. And Peter and John, they had to check it out for themselves. They did not believe the report that was given, right? And then Jesus appeared to different people. Actually, the Bible says over 500 people in a period of 40 days, right? And uh, his disciples were gathered and they appeared, but one was missing. Thomas. And then when Thomas connected with the disciples, they said, Thomas, Jesus rose from the dead. He said, I'm not going to believe it until I what? Physical senses. That's not faith. Now, did Jesus let Thomas touch him? Absolutely. Aren't you glad that God will come to where you are and he'll lift you up? So if we're missing some information, he'll work with us. He'll give us revelation, right? And Jesus said, okay, Thomas, touch me. He appeared when he was there. Touch me. And then Thomas, then Thomas was my Lord and my God. But Jesus said, Thomas, blessed are those who uh, believe and haven't seen, not those who have to see, right? With the physical sense. We've got to get past the physical did you know that there is a spiritual realm that exists that is more real than the physical realm because the physical realm was made by the spiritual realm? Hebrews verse 2 tells us. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. If you're looking for approval, you've got to do it by faith. Verse 3, by faith is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power and wisdom and goodness of God. We understand that the worlds were framed and created by the word of God. Everybody say the world was framed by the word. 
If the, if the word can frame the world, can the word frame a body? Can the word frame your finances? Can the word frame a relationship? Can the word frame your future? Hallelujah. Can the word frame your healing? It's already been framed out. We've already got the pattern of it. All right. Jesus demonstrated the will of God to heal by healing people. And faith is the substance and the evidence. You could say it like this. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. I may not be able to see a one with six zeros in my bank account, but I know it it exists because God says uh, he was made poor so that I could become rich. So you got to get beyond the physical. And when you declare God's word, when you enter into the faith zone, the word will make it manifest. The word will bring it from the spiritual to the reality. All right? Or you could say it like this. That was the New Living Translation. This is the New American Standard. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for and proof of things not seen. How do I know healings exist? Because he said it does. How do I know that joy exists? Because he said it does. How do I know that I can have peace and trouble? Because he said I can. That's how I know it exists. I know it exists because he said it. Not because I feel it, not because someone else told me, but because the word of God says it. Amen? And we have to be fully persuaded, fully convinced. All right, here's another way to say it. Faith assures us of what we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. All right? Hallelujah. That's the, uh, the God's Word translation. This is the Weymouth. Faith is a well-grounded assurance. I'm going to say well-grounded. You cannot have faith in nothing. You have to have faith in something. We put our faith in God, right? Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Did you know that you and I can have the God kind of faith? It's been given to us. It's been made available. Say, I have the God kind of faith. Listen, you have the God kind of faith. That means you can do what God did. You can do what Jesus did. He said it. These works that I do, you will do also, but greater works shall you do because I go to my Father and I'm leaving my faith and the Holy Ghost behind. You have the same faith that Jesus had when he walked this earth. You have the same faith that God had when he created this world. You have the same faith when that... that Uh, Jesus had when he told Peter to go fishing and catch a fish with money in its mouth. You have the same faith that Jesus had to feed 5,000 plus people, more like 15 or 20,000 people. Say, I have the same faith. Say, I have the same faith. We have the same faith. Why? It comes from the same substance. It comes from the same fabric. You know, you can make a lot of garments... From sheep. You can make sweaters. You can make pants. You can make shirts. You can make hats. You can make gloves. But it's all the same substance. Isn't it? It's all wool. But it's the same substance. But you can make different things with it. We have the same faith. 
and we can just use our faith for what we need. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, I'm going to get this message. The Passion Translation says, Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. When you go to the store, what do you use to buy food or clothing or what do you need? What do, you, what do we use? Money. Money, 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 money. Right? Well, did you know that God's got a store that we can get things from? But we don't need to use money. What do we need to use? Our faith. We need to use the God kind of faith to receive what we need in this life. Amen? You could get things by faith where you don't even have to use any money for it. Now, money, money is our medium of exchange, right? So God can either get you the money or he can get you the thing. You leave, if there's something that you need, want, and desire, you just believe for it. Believe God the way he wants to do it for you. Right? If you need a vehicle, he can either get you the vehicle or get you the money to buy the vehicle. Amen? Does God want you in debt? No, he doesn't want you in debt. Right? Debt is bondage. Debt is not bad on some things, but debt is bondage. Right? And any time that we, when you get yourself in debt, you become a servant to the lender. That's what the Bible says. All right? It's the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. I want to talk to you briefly about a man who is the father of our faith. His name is Abraham, right? He's the father of faith. Anybody who believes God, you know, Abraham was a man of faith, right? In Genesis chapter 12, I'm just going to give you a brief overview, all right? What, who spoke to Abram? His name was Abram before he, his name was changed to Abram. Who spoke to Abram? The Bible says, the Lord had said to Abram, all right? So the Lord is talking. Abraham did not have a Bible, right? Because Moses wrote the book of Genesis. So Abram did not have a Bible that he could read, but God had a voice that he could speak, right? So when, whether God writes it or whether God speaks it, it's God speaking. So the word of the Lord came to Abram. He had an, when the word of the Lord comes, that's an invitation to enter the faith zone. Because what comes with the word of God? Faith comes with the word of God. Whatever God speaks has faith in it. It has the substance we need to receive from God. Every word of God is a faith word. Okay? So, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Aren't you glad that when God speaks, he also cooperates with you? He said, I'm going to send you to a land, but I will show it to you. How many know that in the journey of God, God is going to show us some things along the way? But you've got to be willing to take the journey. 
See, you entering the faith zone is beginning a journey with God. And really, Christianity is a journey, right? It's not so much a destination. You know, when you travel, especially for a long time, you're just glad to get to your destination. If you traveled 10 hours, you'd be like, oh, thank God we're here, right? you you, you got to take a moment to just enjoy the destination. But the Christianity is not a destination. Our destination is out of this world. So until we get out of this world, we got to run hard. We got to run with God. We got to run our race. Right? And we don't stop running until we cross the finish line. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, I have ran my race. I have finished my course with joy. How many know you got to be able to finish with joy? Not barely, I barely made it. No, finish with some joy, some exaltation, some celebration. And so here God was speaking to Abram. He told him what to do and he told him what he will, re- he will receive as his reward. Right? Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. How many was Abraham? It was Abram and Sarah. How are you going to be a great nation with two people? But see, God speaks about the invisible. Because God, because God says it, he knows it exists. Abraham knew that a nation existed that didn't exist before. Why? Because God said it. Can you imagine being called to build a nation? Think about it. If God came to you and said, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. Right? Think about it. A nation. Not a city. A nation. God put us over the nations. All right? And I'll make your name great. Listen, you don't have to make yourself famous. Let God make you famous. All right? And you shall be a blessing to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. You know, along the way, God's going to use you to bless someone else. In the journey of Christianity, see, it's not all about you. Say, it's not all about me. Guess what? When you become a Christian, your eyes get turned on to others. Right? Read Philippians chapter 2. Talks about our mindset and how we interact with others. So here's Abram, right? He, he receives the word of God, okay? And what did he do? He went and did what God said. He began his journey. He entered the faith zone. See, you enter the faith zone by positively responding to God's request. You accept God's invitation. If God says, I'm the way to the Father, I'm the only way to heaven, if you accept me as Lord, you'll be saved, that's an invitation. And the minute you accept that invitation, you've entered the faith zone. You've entered into the realm where impossibility is possible. Where things that don't seem like they could come about can come about. Amen? And so, as Abram went, he set up an altar. 
wherever he went to worship God, he kept his connection with God. It's like someone getting born again, right? What's the next best thing after getting born again? Attend the church, right? Because you need to be taught the word of God, right? Jesus said, I will build my what? Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my convention center. He said, I'm going to build my church. What's the church? It's the people who are called out of darkness. You are the church. Say, I'm the church. This building is where the church meets. This is not the church, although we've named it the church. But you are the church. I'm the church. We're the church. We've been called out, right? And we've, not only have we been called out, but we've been called together. God designed the church as a family. Okay? So Abram is beginning his journey, right? And then he takes his nephew Lot with him, Genesis 13, right? And um, like I said, I'm giving you an overview. And strife started to happen. This was Abraham, Abram's first challenge as a believer. What am I going to do about strife? How many know that when you get born again, you will be challenged? You will be tempted. Amen? But we have, when you're born again, you have what you need in you to overcome anything. Okay? So Abram was tempted. How he was, what was he going to deal with strife, right? And he squashed strife. How many of we got to squash strife? Because strife brings every evil work. You can't let strife flourish. You can't let it foster. It's got to be snubbed out immediately, quickly, and swiftly. You got to cut it off. Okay? So, Abram tells his nephew, wherever you choose, I'll go the opposite, okay? And uh, Lot chose what he thought was good. And as he was walking away, now Abram gets a reward from God. He gets all that he can see, north, south, east, and west. God said, wherever you look, I'm going to give you that land, okay? So Abram, as a new believer, he overcomes his first challenge, and he gets a reward. He's really excited about God, okay? He's entered the faith zone, right? He's walking with God. He's, he's setting up altars, setting up places of worship along the way. He's worshiping God. He's connecting to God, right? God is connecting to him. They have a relationship. That's all God wants is a relationship. Not a one-sided relationship either. And uh, then Genesis 14. His nephew gets taken captive. Right? And Abram hears about it from one who escaped. And so he gets his 318 servants born in his house. How many would like to have 318 servants or employees? Abram had a corporation. I mean, he had a lot more servants. These were just ones for war. These were, these were corporate defenders, right? When the enemy tries to do a hostile takeover, you've got you to gotta employ your, your warriors. How many know we've got some invisible warriors on our side? They're called angels. We can employ our angels. When we under attack, why? One angel can take out 180,000 men with one swoop, right? So Abram takes his men, he divides his forces, 300 men against five armies, because it was five armies versus four that, that overcame and took Lot, right? 
Does that sound like impossible odds? Five armies versus 319 men with Abram, right? But how many know when you enter the faith zone, things that seem impossible are possible. There's no foe, no matter how big or how large the army is, can overtake you, a a person of faith. With faith, you win. And so Abram divided his forces and he got back everything and the stuff. Everybody say, and the stuff. Okay? Now what did Abram do? He tithed. There was no law that said you should tithe, but Abraham knew that you should tithe. He met Melchizedek, which was the priest of God. I believe it was Jesus in the flesh before he was Jesus. Because he said he's the king of righteousness. Who's the king of righteousness? Jesus is the king of righteousness, right? Everything about Melchizedek points to Jesus. No father, no mother, right? That means eternal. That's Jesus. Jesus in Hebrew says he's the great high priest, right? Oh, that's all I'm going to say about that. So now Abram gets into giving. Right? He's, he's doing the journey. Right? Things are going good. He's overcoming challenges. He's walking with God. He's in the faith zone. And uh, then God enters into a covenant with him in Genesis 15. Right? And uh, but look at Genesis 15 for a minute. Look at verse 2. Genesis 15, verse 2. Abram said, Lord God, what reward will you give me since I am leaving this world childless? Everybody say childless. Was that what God promised him? And he who will be my own heir will be in my house, the servant Eliezer of Damascus. What happened? Abraham is starting to get out of the faith zone. He's starting to forget what God spoke to him. He's beginning to wonder, what's he looking at? He's looking at what he doesn't have. He's not looking at what God said. God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Right? But now Abraham, he's looking at his childlessness. He's looking at what he doesn't have. See, When you start looking at the circumstances, you leave the faith zone. You exit the faith zone. And now, see, Peter did the same thing. When he stepped out of the boat, right, he began to look at the wind and the waves. As as he took a couple steps, now he's focused on the wind and the waves. What happened when he focused on the wind and the waves? He sank. When he was in faith, he floated. When he was in doubt, he sank. Right? Maybe you've been in this place that Abram was. Maybe you're wondering about what he promised you. Why hasn't it come to pass? Why haven't you done that? And now you're starting to blame God. When it's not God who moved. It's you who exited the faith zone. You started looking at your circumstances. You started listening to your body. You started to go by your feelings and your senses. Not God. You started to listen to other people more than the Holy Spirit. You've exited the faith zone. What are you going to give me? Seeing. 
I am childless. And my number one employee is going to be my heir. Verse 3. And Abram continued, since you have given me no child. Does not God back up his promises? He gives a promise that's based on his character, on his nature, on his eternal existence, on his omnipotence, on his omnipresence, on his omniscience. Every promise that God gives, he backs it up personally. But now Abram has taken his eyes off the promise. All right? But you know what? Say God is good. God knows how to get you into the faith zone in just like that. Right? And aren't you glad that if you have exited the faith zone, you can come back in? Right? Say I'm coming back in today. All right? Notice verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Aren't you glad? I'm telling you, God's word knows how to come to encourage you, to lift you up, to correct your vision. Amen. The word of the Lord, say the word of the Lord came. Oh, I'm telling you, if you have the word, you can always get back into the faith zone. The word of the Lord came to him saying... This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir. How many know God had to correct Abraham's, Abram's thinking thinking? He, how do we correct our thinking? With the truth. I'm telling you, in this world that we're living in today, it wants to change the truth. It wants to change pronouns. It wants to change genders when it hasn't changed the pipes. And our answer to what the world wants to do is the truth. Yes. Bring it back. If you got the parts, you're a she. If you got the parts, you're a he. You ain't got to look any further than that. Don't tell me that you're a, you're a he with the parts and you're trying to be something else. That's a lie. We got to correct it with the truth. We got to be bold about it. The enemy is a liar. He uses lies to bring people into bondage. God uses the truth to get people free. Lies, bondage, truth free. So God corrected Abraham's thinking. Aren't you glad that he corrects our thinking? Because sometimes our thinking gets messed up. Okay? But if you remain connected to God, you'll have plenty of opportunities to correct your thinking. It's just like the GPS. Please make a U-turn. Right? Believe me, I've made lots of U-turns in my life in the natural. <laughs> Still do sometimes. <laughs> well, I ain't going to talk about that. So, then God brings him outside. How many know you got to get into a different place to change your vision? you got to get out of depression so that joy could enter in. you got to stop looking to your body to see whether or not what God said is true. What God said is true, irregardless. Just go with that. You've got to be in complete agreement and complete harmony and complete uh, speaking the same thing with what God said in order for you to have what God said. Okay? 
And uh, the Lord took him outside and he said, look towards the heavens and count the stars. <laughs> I love God. Hey, Abraham, look, count those stars. Um, Abraham's like, are you kidding? <laughs> count the stars. I can see Abraham going, one, two, three, four, five. He said, this is the, I'm not going to be able to do this. I, okay. God said, count the stars. Okay. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, so numerous shall your descendants be. I'll tell you what, not only did God speak to him, he gave him a natural vision of the possibility. If you can count the stars, that's how many descendants you're going to have. He once again instilled Abraham with the faith zone talk. See, when you're in the faith zone, you've got to talk like God. When you're in the faith zone, you've got to walk like God. When you're in the faith zone, you've got to live like God. You can't operate in faith and live like the devil. That's ridiculous. See, God, God calls us to live a life like Christ. Christian means Christ-like. We're supposed to be moral. We're supposed to be truthful. We're supposed to be faithful. We're supposed to be diligent as Christians. Just like Jesus is. Verse 6. Oh, this is, then Abram believed God. He entered back into the faith zone. Say he believed God. You've got to believe what God is telling you. If you doubt whether it's God, check the book. Don't believe a demon or a spirit. The Bible says for us to try every spirit. Someone may come to you acting like they're a Christian, but they don't have, they're not necessarily a Christian. You've got to make sure that they're in line with the book. You've got to try the spirit. Test it. Right? Don't just take it at face value. Why did God give us this book? Is this book someone that just put pen to ink? No. Every word in here is God breathed. This is God talking. Amen? Okay. So Abraham believed He affirmed, he trusted, he relied, he remained steadfast in the Lord. He counted it to him as righteousness. When Abram believed something happened, he was credited as righteous before righteousness has ever come. Abram got saved on credit because Jesus had not come yet. To pay the price. But God credited righteousness unto him. I'm going to deposit righteousness in your account. You have been made righteous. Amen. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not going to be. We are. You are. If you believe in Jesus, you are as righteous as he is. You're a joint heir. So Abraham believed God. It was credited unto him for righteousness. And then... God says to him in verse 7, 
He said to him, I am the same Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land as an inheritance. God brought him out of a small place to give him a bigger place. Amen? But Abram said, Lord God, by what proof will I know I will inherit it? And then God made a covenant with him. He entered into a covenant. The proof was in the words. The proof was the evidence and the substance. Amen? I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9. I want to give you some examples of people who entered the faith zone. Then I'm going to give you some characteristics about the faith zone. And I'll let you out about 1.30. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the birthday girl wouldn't be too happy about that. Matthew 9.1. This is a summary. If you want to read it in more detail, you can read the account in Luke. Luke chapter 5. Jesus, getting into a boat, crossed over the Sea of Galilee and came to Capernaum, his own city. He moved his uh, place from Nazareth to Capernaum. Don't have time to go into that right now, but he set up, basically, Capernaum became his headquarters of his ministry. That's where he had a house. Say, Jesus had a house. See, because notice... He called Capernaum his own city. Right? They brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a stretcher. What did they do? They brought a man who couldn't bring himself. Who did they bring him to? Who is Jesus? He's the Word. They entered the faith zone. Okay? We know the story. This is when Jesus was teaching in the house. There wasn't room in the house. It was packed. Standing room only. No one could, there was no seat in the house left. Right? And they, these men brought their friend to Jesus. They entered the faith zone. Any, any move you make to Jesus, you, you enter the faith zone. Amen? And Jesus, the Bible says, seeing their what? Seeing their faith. Faith is an action word. Faith is an action that you take in obeying God. Faith is an action that you take to get to God. Faith is a movement that you make to get to Jesus. They, he saw their seeing their faith springing from confidence. And you've got to be pretty confident to take a lame man on the roof and drop him down with ropes. You've got to be pretty confident. The lame man's saying, what are y'all doing? Oh, be quiet. Just enjoy the ride. I'm going to give you an elevator ride. I'm taking you to the first floor. But I wasn't on the second floor. You've got to be pretty confident. Not only did they have to bring him, but they had to take him up on the roof and drop him down. Jesus said to the paralytic, do not be afraid, son, your sins are forgiven. Did you know that forgiveness and healing have the same anointing? Anything that you get from God is achieved the same way. He was forgiven and he was healed because he saw their faith, right? They entered the faith zone. 
What kind of radical thing would you do to show Jesus your faith? Hmm? What kind of thing would you do to get to Jesus? Or what would you let keep you away from Jesus? How many people would you know? Not anybody here. But maybe someone that you know gets sidetracked by distractions on their way to getting to Jesus and they don't make it to Jesus because of the distraction. See? Faith overrides distractions. All right, Jesus saw their faith. And you are declared to be right and right standing with God. Well, that man left the place. He was brought in on a stretcher, but he left carrying a stretcher. Can you say amen? That's what happens when you enter the faith. You know, when you enter the faith zone, results occur. Good results occur. Something happens when you're in the faith zone. Amen? And the devil will work overtime to try to get you out of the faith zone. Why? Why would he try to stop you getting in the faith zone? Because he knows that if you get in the faith zone, he's in trouble. And his work is done. So you've got to get in the faith zone, and you've got to stay in the faith zone. The faith zone is not something you, you visit. Oh, I'm going to go visit the faith zone today. Like, like you're going to Hershey Park or something. I'm going to go to Hershey Park. I'm going to go to the faith zone today. No, you've got to live in the faith zone. Faith, the faith zone is a lifestyle. It's how you live each and every day. It's how you get up and go to bed and eat your food. It's how you interact. It's how you work. We live in the faith zone. God never meant for us to exit it. You can ride the faith zone wave until you die. Amen? Best way to die is die in faith. Amen? You don't have to be sick to die. You can just go to sleep. Come come on, somebody. You don't have to be sick to die. You can just go in your favorite rocking chair, look up and smile. E.W. Kenyon, he told his daughter, he said, I'm going going home today. They had their breakfast. He went out on the porch, sat in his rocking chair with a big smile on his face. That was it. He went from here to heaven just like that. He, he went, didn't die of sickness or anything. You don't have to die of sickness. You can just go to sleep. Did Jesus die of sickness? No, he gave up the ghost. He did not die from sickness or wounds. He did not die of loss of blood. He did not die of heart attack. He died because he gave up the ghost. He willingly left his body. Oh, you didn't hear me. He left his body. Your body is not you. Your body is just the house that you live in. All right. Matthew 9.20. Is this helping someone today? You can go home and you can tell your friends, I, had, I was in the faith zone today. Amen? I brought the faith, faith zone home with me. Tomorrow when you get up and go to work, you say, I'm going to work in the faith zone. Can you say, I'm driving in the faith zone. When you, when you think of, I'm in the zone, you're going to think of it differently now. Matthew 9, 20. Then a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years. How would you like to be bleeding for 12 years? 
Mark tells us that she spent all of her money. She tried every natural means. Many, much money and many doctors, but it wasn't better, it grew worse. That's what Mark tells us. Right? But notice something. A woman who had suffered from hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him. How did she get to come behind him? What happened to her first? She heard. The Bible says in Mark, she heard of Jesus. She heard the word. Guess what? Anytime you hear the word, what happens? It's an invitation to come into the faith zone. Right? It's an invitation to believe what he said, to accept what he said is true, and to do what he said. She heard of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't there. She had to get to where he was. See, her faith, she, she heard of Jesus. She believed because immediately she put her faith to work. She put her faith to action. I'm making my way to Jesus. But she was crawling. Right? Because she was, when you bleed, you're weak. You've been bleeding for 12 years. You're pretty weak. Right? She's making her way to Jesus. Why? Because of what she heard. I believe that he's my answer, so I'm going to make my way to him. I believe that he's my cure, so I'm going to make my way to him. She let nothing stop her. She didn't wait at home for Jesus to come to her. She made her way to him. That's what we got to be. That's the faith zone. I'm not taking sickness sitting down. I'm going to fight. If sickness tries to come in my body, you better be prepared for a fight that it's going to lose. I'm going to win that fight. Oh, faith is to fight, by the way. The Bible teaches us that. First, First Timothy chapter 6. Fight the good fight of faith. That's a fight. You've got to learn how to fight. So, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his robe. He didn't even lay hands on her. She laid hands on him. Everybody wants, some people, a lot of people want hands laid on them. How about you laying hands on him? She didn't even touch him. She touched his clothes. The hem. Right? The fringe of his outer robe. She's stretching out, right? Notice 21. She had been saying to herself, if I only touch his outer robe, I will be healed. While she's making her way to Jesus, she heard that Jesus is a healer. She heard that he healed people. She heard he healed paralytics. She heard he healed blind people. She heard he healed withered hands. If only I touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. If only I touch his clothes, I shall be healed. If only I touch his clothes, I shall be healed. Boom. She got what she said. Isn't that faith? Believe you receive and you shall have. If you say unto this mountain, if you say, right? She, she had been saying to herself. So she set the parameters of this miracle. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take courage, daughter. You're What? You're what? what? What did her faith do? It made her well. When you're in the faith zone, you are made well. Hallelujah. Can anyone enter the faith zone? Is anyone excluded from entering the faith zone? No. No one is excluded. Anybody who wants to can enter the faith zone. You can connect with God. 
right? Heaven will be open to you and you'll receive what you believe. Say, I'm in the, I'm in the zone. All right? Um, go to John 14.1. Let me just give you some quick characteristics of the faith zone. Faith does not worry, does not fear, is not troubled. Let me say that again. Faith does not fear. Faith does not worry. Faith is not troubled. Was David troubled by a lion taking a lamb? The lion wanted a lamb sandwich. And he came in to a restaurant full of lamb that he didn't pay a bill. Right? Was David troubled when a lion... Think about everybody say a lion. They're pretty fierce. They're pretty ferocious. They're pretty strong, right? What did David do when a lion came in to take it? He ran after it, grabbed it by its bare hands, and killed it. Oh, wait a minute now. Oh, there's a bear. Bears are bigger than lions. Right? Was David troubled by a bear coming in to get a lamb sandwich? No. He ran after that bear. He grabbed that bear by his hands and killed the bear. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He was not troubled. Faith does not get troubled. They just told me I had cancer. I'm not troubled. Why? Because I have a healer. I know the healer. Amen? Come on. We can't be troubled by bad reports. Bad reports is just information, amen? But we have a better report. We have a, we have a report that will trump any bad report, amen? There's no circumstance in life that the Bible doesn't deal with. We have a better report. The question is, whose report are you going to believe? That's the question. Which report are you going to believe? One will exit the, the phase zone. One will enter the phase zone. John 14, 1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Say, I'm not letting my heart be troubled. No matter what comes my way, right? Believe in God. If you believe in God, believe also in me. John 15, 4, I'm giving you some characteristics of the faith zone. Faith remains with Jesus. No matter what your feelings say, no matter what anybody else says, you remain with Jesus. John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Does that sound like a good exchange? All you got to do is remain in him and he'll remain with you. How many want him remaining with us? Then you remain with him. Keep doing what you know to do. Amen? Keep, keep getting in the word. Keep, keep fellowshipping. Keep doing what you know to do. That's how we remain. Remain means to hang out and to dwell. Because it's all about fruit. So being in the faith zone means you remain in him. Like I said, it takes faith to begin, but it also takes faith to remain. There's going to be things that come up in life that try to get you away from Jesus. I mean, from the very time that the word goes forth, the Bible says the enemy tries to steal the word that's sown. When it's sown. He tries to block and stop you from hearing what God said. 
Right? Why? Because it's so valuable to be able to connect with God. We've got to be able to hear what he says so that we can do what he says. Amen? Acts 3.16. Acts 3.16. Say, I'm in the zone. Oh, these, these guys were in the faith zone. Peter and John. Acts 3.16. The faith zone honors and trusts his name. Is there a name higher than the name of Jesus? Cancer is not higher than Jesus. Diabetes is not higher than Jesus. Scoliosis is not higher than Jesus. Don't even know if I said that right. Heart disease is not greater than Jesus. Lung cancer is not greater than Jesus. There's a name that's greater than... If if something has a name, there's a name greater. It's the name of Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. And J-E-S-U-S has the power to counteract what the other names are trying to do. Acts 3.16. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which strengthened this man whom you now see and know. The faith which comes through him made this, has given him perfect health. How many want perfect health? Sound, wholeness. That's the peace of God. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I say shalom to you today. So, Being in the faith zone means we honor and trust his name. And we don't use his name lightly. The first thing when an injury occurs in our house, I don't care if it's a cut or an ache or whatever, the first thing we do is we pray. Then we take any emergency need that we need to do. Right? Obviously, if you're bleeding profusely, do first aid while you pray. (laughs) Amen? But how do we know that we incorporate the name of Jesus? Why? That's just how we, that's just how we do it. <laughs> you know, years ago, and some of you have heard this, but, you know, in the, in the last 19 years, I can't tell you how many times I've passed Hershey Park. Every day. Every week. <laughs> you know, because we live in Hummelstown. We, that's usually the way that we come. We pass Hershey Park. So one day we're driving. And Josiah was about three or four. And uh, he says, you know, I'd really like to go to Hershey Park. I said, okay, Josiah, you pray and we'll agree with you. So Josiah prays, you know, and uh, we agreed with him. And a week later, you know, nothing happened. And Josiah says, hey, Dad, you know, we prayed about that. How come nothing's happened? I said, you know, son, just give God, just put your trust in God, right? Well, it was maybe a week or two after that. Someone gave us 15 tickets to Hershey Park. So we took the entire family to Hershey Park, right? And, uh, you know, we're driving in the van because there was like 12 of us or 10 of us. I don't know how many. And I said, okay, everybody, thank Josiah. They said, Josiah, thank you. He goes, it's the least I could do. (laughs) True story. When our kids need something... I encourage them to ask God about it. Why? Because God's the provider. Amen? And when they develop faith in God, because they're not always going to be in our house. There's going to be a time when they're going to be on their own, and they're going to have to learn how to trust God. They might as well start early. Amen? 
And true story, you can ask them. You can ask Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel is so blessed. Every time we went somewhere, someone would give him something. We're at the barber shop. Someone gave him hair gel when he was like eight, right? We went to a McDonald's in Lancaster. Someone gave him a toy because someone else loved, someone said, hey, you want, your son wants to toy. Okay, yeah. Everywhere we went, he gets something. I love it. Why? Because we honor and trust his name. When you're in the faith zone, you live and walk and move in righteousness. Romans 10. All right? The righteousness based on faith. How did Abraham become righteous? Did he perform good deeds? Did, did he invest $100,000 into the kingdom of God? No. How did he become righteous? He believed God. Say, he believed. How do you become righteous? You believe. How do you become healed? You believe. How do you become joyful? You believe. How do you become rich? You believe. The same way. There's nothing that we receive from God without believing. Amen? Hallelujah. My goodness. When you're in the faith zone, according to Ephesians 3, Christ is in your heart, you're rooted in love, and you're filled with God. Christ is in your heart. You're rooted in love. You can't be in the faith zone and be in hatred. You can't be in the faith zone and be unforgiving. Because faith works by love. Faith works by love. If you're harboring something in your heart about another person, go to that person and make it right. Get over your feelings and your fear and go and do what the Bible says to do. Otherwise, you will give the enemy place in your life to deceive you. You, you were not meant to hold off. You know, in the great faith chapter, Mark eleven twenty two to 24, it talks about faith. But you know, verse 25 says, when you stand praying, forgive. Why? If you're in unforgiveness, it won't. Your faith won't work. If you're out of love, your faith won't work. See, we, 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 sometimes we neglect these things, but it's true. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Well, and let me say this while you're going to Colossians. Philippians 2 tells us, you know, the faith zone, you live like Jesus, you love like Jesus, and you live in faith. Say, live like Jesus. Love like Jesus and live by faith. Isn't that what Jesus did? Just ask yourself this. Would you get nervous if a group of people said they wanted to kill you? Hmm? Well, what did Jesus do? He just walked away. He's preaching, right? His first message in Luke 4, when he got done preaching, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. That's a good way to encourage young preachers. You may preach and people may want to throw you off a cliff. Yeah, when he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears, read it in Luke, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. He just walked away. You've got to, why? see, that's living a fearless, free life. You're not intimidated by any threat. Was David intimidated? By Goliath? No, he was the only one. Only a 
shepherd, every soldier in Israel was intimidated by a man for 40 days. Shepherd comes along and says, who is this ugly Philistine? He didn't say ugly, but he said uncircumcised. That's the same thing. You know, when you're uncircumcised, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. When you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're ugly. That's true. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're ugly. I may have to do some research on that. It's okay. I'm just having fun, all right? Colossians 2, verse 5. It's actually verse 5 to 8. Being in the faith zone means you're disciplined. You receive Jesus. You walk with him and you overflow with thanksgiving. How many are overflowing with thanksgiving? We got too many people that overflow with complaining. You've been filling your cup with the wrong stuff. You got to overflow with thanksgiving, not complaining. Amen. When you're in the faith zone, complaints don't exist. You know, Joshua and Caleb were in the faith zone. They were surrounded by people who whined, complained, grumbled, and murmured for 40 years. Do you realize Joshua and Caleb could not retire from complaining? They themselves didn't complain, but they were around. They heard it every day. Think about that. How are you going to keep your faith when everybody else is complaining? Guess what? Everybody else doesn't run your life. You run your life. Joshua and Caleb made a decision that no matter what circumstance I'm in, we're going to believe God. We're going to have our faith in God. We're going to keep our faith in God no matter how long it takes to get away from you whiny babies. And the only way that they could get away from them is God had to kill them. Think about it. God had to kill a generation. Because a generation was infected with complaining, grumbling, and and if you read the Bible, God does not appreciate complaints. He does not like it. So therefore, don't do it. Amen? First, First Timothy 4.12. I'm done. I'm almost done. I think I'm almost done. No, I better give you one more. 1 Timothy 4.12, when you're in the faith zone, you're an example that people can follow. Example in love and purity and faith. Would you want people following your example of you believing God? Let me say, I'm an example. When we're in the faith zone, we're an example to others that they can follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So... If you're not following Christ, I'm void from following you until you follow Christ. Amen? And then, last one, 2 Timothy 3.15. Of course, I got a bunch more, but I don't have time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. A person who is in the faith zone knows the Scriptures. Paul praised Timothy for his knowledge of the Scriptures since he was a child. And he was thankful for his mama and his grandmama. Lois and Eunice, right? His, his mother and his grandmother taught him the word. And he learned the scriptures 
from an early child. And Timothy walked in the scriptures. Paul said, I am confident that whenever I send Timothy to a church, he represents me. My prayer this morning on the way here, I said, God, I want to represent you as, as Timothy represented Paul. Amen. That's my heart. I wanted to say what God, we got to get it in the faith zone, people. Too many, too many Christians have zoned out. Right? They're daydreaming. They're following other things. They're following the flesh. They're letting, they've let bitterness spring up in them. And you know, bitterness will keep you away from the family of God. God says, don't let the root of bitterness spring up. Because if it springs up, it becomes a tree that's harder and harder to take down. When it's just a root, you can pull it out of the ground. But if it gets stronger, it's a lot harder to pull out of the ground. Amen? Anything that you need from God is gotten to you by faith. So I want to encourage your faith today. Amen? We can get in the faith zone. Aren't you glad for that? The faith zone, we all have an open invitation. Amen? And we're in it. We're in the faith zone. We don't have to get in it. We're in it. Amen? Hallelujah. Say, I believe God. I have faith in his word. My faith is strong in him. My faith can receive anything I need, I want, and I desire in God. Say, thank you, Lord, for my faith. Amen. He gave us his faith, right? Let's stand to our feet. And let's begin to praise God for the faith that we have. And if you're watching online, I just want to pray with you now. I want to pray that you develop this faith and you get into the faith zone. Faith cures diseases. It uh, makes, brings healing over sickness. It transfers poverty to riches. It does amazing things. You have to have faith in God, faith in his word. You enter the faith zone by hearing his word, believing that what he said is absolutely true, and doing what he said. Amen? If you, if, if you need healing in your body, go to his word, take your medicine, and then act as if you are healed. Because he said it. Amen? Father, I just give you thanks and praise for those that hear this message, those that are here present, those that are watching, Father. I pray that the Holy Ghost touch them, open their eyes of understanding, and help them walk in faith, help them enter the faith zone in the name of Jesus. In the faith zone, there is constant victory. In the faith zone, you win over every challenge. In the faith zone, there's nothing that can defeat you. There's nothing that can beat you. There's nothing that can stop you. In the faith zone, miracles happen. Hallelujah. In the faith zone, the power of God is present. Amen. And it's working. In the faith zone, things happen. The Holy Ghost and His gifts thrive and flourish in the name of Jesus. Now, step one, you must have a relationship with Jesus. That is step one of getting into the faith zone. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've got to get into the faith zone. Amen? Do you realize 78 people plus 
died in Miami, I'm sure that those people did not realize that their building was going to collapse like it did. How many of those people had a relationship with Jesus? I don't know. But they died suddenly. Their building collapsed. I mean, who's going to, you don't prepare for a building to collapse. But it did. That's why we got to have Jesus now. We got to enter the faith zone now. We got to know that Jesus is Lord now. Amen? Because those people who died, if they didn't know Jesus, they're in hell now. They're in hell now. God's never, God never intended. He said, I wish that no man would perish. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent us the answer. He sent us the way out. Oh, if you don't know Jesus, friend, you need to know him today. Is there anyone here that say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I want to enter that faith zone and be born again. Maybe you were born again, but maybe you exited the faith zone for whatever reason. Maybe you got distracted. Maybe something came up. It knocked your focus off. You can get back in the faith zone right now. Amen. Don't wait any longer. Get in the faith zone today. If you've been knocked off course, you can get back on course today. Is there anyone who's been knocked off course? You feel like you're not where you need to be or you're not where you should be because you got knocked off course. God wants to get you back on course. Amen. He wants to recalibrate you. Calibrating. Right? And thirdly, in the faith zone, people have power. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God wants to touch you with his power. The power of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost when he poured his spirit on all flesh, the power came in so strong to the place they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and all of them began to speak in tongues. Because that's, that's a powerful thing that we can do as believers is speak in tongues. So if you need to be born again, come back to Jesus. Or if you need the power of God. And then fourthly, one last thing, if you need healing in your body. Amen? Sickness, disease, infirmity, it gets eradicated in the faith zone. It gets changed in the faith zone. So if you need healing in your body, any one of those things, I want you to come up and we'd be glad to pray for you as the Holy Spirit of God is moving. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, what? you can't leave the faith zone. Say, I don't plan on leaving the faith zone. Say, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to walk by faith all the days of my life in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands up, and I want you to picture your Father, your Heavenly Father as good because He's good. Just see yourself receiving benefits, receiving His goodness, receiving life, receiving strength, receiving finances and provisions, receiving rescue, receiving deliverance, receiving help right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You're His child. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you to have good things. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. Glory to God. Has this helped you today? We're going to go in the zone. Amen. You're going to pass every obstacle. You're going to break through every barrier. 
you're going to experience the goodness of God in greater ways and in greater degrees. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Oh, we bless you. We praise you. And you know what? It's just that that little change makes a big difference. Little change in lifestyle. Little shift in belief. It makes the greatest difference. Any move, anything that you make towards Jesus, he'll bless you for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, you guys have a good day. God bless you. Keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace.